Design Company episode 11. And today we're talking about getting more engagement inside a company towards driving change, improvement, growth, and all those good things. How are you doing, Mohammed? I'm uh, doing very well. The uh, confinement here in France is ending in two days. I'm looking forward to being able to go for a walk without filling out some paperwork or you just being able to go more than one kilometer from home. So you're having your freedom back and uh, reusing it. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and engaging with the world. <laughs> Engage, re-engaging with the world, yeah. So the opening is going to happen in uh, UK again, some sort of opening on Monday. Uh, so what are we talking about with design company? We're talking about opening up more of the thinking across the company so that everyone's a little bit clearer on what the sentiment is in the company or not a little bit but completely clear what the sentiment is across all these seven areas and the reason why it exists is because we're seeing more and more that it's important to be more transparent about how things are done why things are done who's thinking what and to focus in on what really matters which is the things that people are thinking about people care about yeah and usually we find that people care about those things that are good for society, that enable growth, and people do want to see their ideas implemented. How many times have any one of us worked in a company where nobody seemed to care about what we think, and some of the smartest people have left because they haven't been heard? Well, guess what? Design company, software and model and approach is there so that everyone can be heard and everyone can be cared for in the true managerial sense so that their best ideas can bubble up to the front and be implemented and the company can prosper. That's my summary of what we're discussing today. What comes to your mind when I say all of that? Certainly. And so to bounce off what you said, you know, whether it's design company software, the model, the consulting, I think one of the core tenets of what we do here is acting as a catalyst, right? So if you look at our purpose, it's really to help people take their company to the next level, their teams to the next level, and really for them to realize that there is no silver bullet, right? So if you don't have the right mindset, if you know, you're know you operating in this sense where nobody apart from the CEO is correct, then you know we can charge you as many millions as you want, not really going to help you. So I think it's people really understanding that they have the power to change their environment and they are the ones who need to be co-creators of their environment. And so our role through what we're discussing, whatever we're bringing to the table, is to provide this catalyst for people to empower themselves, take on this responsibility, and understand that you know, even though outside help is useful, that will never replace a good internal mindset and driving force and collective vision. And it's quite incredible that up until now, we we made a breakthrough tool here. But up until now, there, there's been a lot of talk about being able to leverage everyone's thinking. And, and that's really, we're already living for a long time in a knowledge-driven world. Most workers are knowledge workers, especially in service sector. Yet, there aren't really structured, easy-to-use tools that, leverage the knowledge and insights of employees so that's quite astonishing but that's why we're filling in that gap <laughs> and that's why this is going to be so powerful because people are literally crying out for being heard huh? 
certainly. And so actually, I think that's a great dive into the next team of people, which also actually needs to be tied in with systems because, you know, you and I both work in digital sector for a long time. And so what we've seen so often is that people just use digital systems to, you know, we talk about digitalization to just take existing normal, you know, analog behaviors, offline behaviors, and transpose that into online environment. So, you know, we see, for example, a lot of tools helping you run your current meetings a bit better, um, or these kind of things, right? And so the idea there, I think, with digital systems is really to understand, well, how can we actually re-envision our offline and interhuman collaboration in a new way? And so I think that's the most powerful thing here. And so now if we're looking at the system, for example, of design company software, well, ultimately, look at the normal systems and processes for people to exchange information. It's meetings, it's reports, um, you know, it's all this information that happens, but really, it's not the most reactive way and it's not really adaptive to a changing world. So I think if you look at what we're bringing in with our system, it's saying, okay, well, people work asynchronously. We don't need seven-hour meetings with the 50 people, most of whom don't speak. What we want instead is to have a bite-sized sampling of what people are thinking at a specific point in time. And so when we have those actual synchronous meetings, have everybody having already shared their opinion up front, right? And so, I mean, if you look at it, what's, what does that mean from a systematic perspective? It means when we're bringing people together into a room for one hour, let's say, instead of spending 50 minutes getting the information and 10 minutes listening to one guy talk about the solution he already had in mind before the meeting, it's <laughs> have everybody give their opinion before the meeting, have everybody see what everyone else thinks before the meeting, and then have a meeting where we're really debating about problems, solutions, et cetera. Well, exactly. And uh, I mean, the, the, the people, it's, it's, it's extremely tricky to understand what everyone in a company is thinking. That's just like an ongoing thing. And people as humans have evolved to work face to face and now that we're in a virtual world, guess what is the only thing that can actually get the thinking of people over to others? It's software. Software. It, it's either Zoom calls, uh, messengers, and so on. Of course, everyone's been, uh, working on Messenger. One of the previous guests we, we interviewed is like managing the entire company through Messenger, right? So where are people living? They're living in Messengers. Why does design company software work in Messenger? It's because that's what people are most used to using. Uh, so, but it has to go through software because we can't speak to each other face to face. And certainly some of the best ideas get dis discussed face to face, but never recorded. And an idea that's discussed but not recorded is basically worthless. While a recorded idea, at least if it doesn't get actioned, it can be actioned in future. And famously, someone like Steve Jobs had, uh, and certainly all of us designers have endless notebooks of ideas that we've sketched out that don't necessarily even make sense at the time. But with tools like iPad, Steve Jobs has sketched it 10 years before they released the product because the timing needed to be right. But more you can log the ideas, the more you have the opportunity to actually realize them into reality that's why all the kind of you know when you kind of go to some sort of mindset coach or something 
they talk about manifestation, the first thing you've got to do is write it down. And the only place where people will write it down is Messenger these days. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. And so to, to bounce back off of that, talking about writing down, um, sometimes things are written down, but they aren't even shared, right? So I just want to bounce back on one thing you mentioned previously. You've talked about the management kill zone, right? At the end yeah. of the day, if you think about you know, somebody who's running a company all the way at the top, one of the big paradoxes I've realized is they are the most well-informed person of the company, but they are also most often the last informed <laughs> yeah. yeah, about specific issues, right? And so you're here, you're running a strategy, but you might be running one, two, three weeks behind, and there's a natural human tendency for intermediate layers of management to withhold negative information and promote positive information, right? Which means if you're having a management meeting where there's only positive information to discuss, why are you even having that meeting? Well, it's actually, they act more like a filter. So sometimes they'll just hype up the negativity because if someone comes in with like a disruptive idea that is actually going to disrupt by the very yeah. nature, the process that the manager, for example, some managers have been trained to work through a certain system. I mean, this was like a major uh, pain to move people from working in waterfall to work in a more agile way. Mm -hmm. People have had like Prince 2 program management certification for a long time. And then you say, well, now we're working in Agile. And you can more or less tear up all your Prince 2 knowledge, right? Guess what the kill zone doesn't want to do? They don't want to tear up the old knowledge. They don't want to go and potentially get retrained uh, in Agile. They don't actually have a flexible enough mindset to do that because they want this kind of predictive, step-by-step, uh, -step linear workflow. And meanwhile, you walk out there and suddenly, you know, you get punched in the face. As Mike Tyson says, you know, the universe is chaotic, right? So universe is fractal. Those fractals are everywhere and regathering them back into one coherent central place where you can actually understand what's going on. You you actually then can manage that in a lot better way. Uh, so, so the reason why the kill zone doesn't really like disruption is because for most part, they're not really geared up to be flexible enough. Whereas we're now having to have a lot more flexible models, whether they're geared up or not. And so this is a flexible model that's structured enough. So that balance between structure and chaos is important because when you strike that, then you get uh, sparks flying. Certainly. And so actually, you talked about you know, new ideas. Well, that's innovation in a nutshell, right? And so if you, look, I think, if you look at innovation, I think one of the key things we've seen in the past years has been that innovation comes not so much from the discovery of new knowledge as it is the recombination of knowledge from different areas. And yeah. so in that respect, if you look at a company, right, in today in 2020, and 2021 in the future, for those who get this in the future, you can't really just like depend on one department to come up with new ideas. What you want is to break down the silos and allow people to look at issues and things that are going well in different areas to collectively learn from each other and build this internal level of peer practice and innovation, right? Because that's what innovation is ultimately, it's understanding what the current state of the art is, whether internally or in the wider world, and then iterating upon that instead of, you know, the artistic vision of, throwing everything away each time. Yeah, silos always come up uh, in these conversations. And 
I mean, silos, there's, if anything, we're always working like breaking them up. But there are some places where silos exist for whatever legislative reason. Yeah. Uh, I remember working with like DWP and then there was Ministry of Justice, you know, down the corridor, but in, you couldn't go into the ministry, uh, ministry of Defense, right? You couldn't go into Ministry of Defense unless you had a certain pass and clearance and so on. So silos kind of exist sometimes for a kind of legitimate reason, but then... You know, I think even governments are starting to realize that they have to sort of open up a lot more and cross collaborate to actually be able to solve what are increasingly more, more and more complex problems that require more collaborative solutions and more cross cutting insights into who's thinking what. Uh, so, yeah, this seems to be like where innovation is heading, in, in my experience, anyway. So, so totally agree with you. I mean, there are legitimate reasons for some silos. Obviously, not everything can be out there in the open everywhere. But I mean, to take your example of MOD, even if you look at intelligence sector, right, the biggest advances have been made when the people in the research and technology labs were working hand in hand with the field operators that were using this technology, right? Exactly, because most of the silos have been kind of maxed out on their innovation potential. Uh, because guess what? Like people who've been working there haven't necessarily been just kind of people with no ideas whatsoever. So they've had decades and decades of time to do as well as possible within that tiny little silo. But what the customer expectation on the other end is that the customer thinks of their life as one life, right? They customer think of, thinks of themselves as at the center of their own universe. So the company saying to a customer, hey, we've got these seven different silos or whatever, uh, and you are just going to have to engage with them separately. The customer goes, well, you know what? I'm going to another company that doesn't have seven different silos. <laughs> so, so the silos in, in the design company model are not silos. They're just themes of conversation and ideation but the design company works as one coherent coordinated unit. And that's why it's important for everyone to chime in all the time, because guess what? Situation changes all the time. We've been seeing this perfectly well with the quarantine, where it's like something that you took as straightforward and granted as going down to the shop became a lot more complicated thing. And then at some point becomes like, oh, now you can go without the paperwork, without the extra process, but you might have to have some sort of tracking device or <laughs> who knows what, right? But it's constantly changing. And who is making those changes and decisions? People, right? And it's all for a purpose. So <laughs> that's that. And so just to bounce back on the innovation, right? I mean, you, you're, you've done a lot of consulting, so you've seen this. When you're going into an organization as a third party, um, even if you're the most skilled person in the world, you still have to be accepted by the people that you're working with, right? I mean, you've got people in the company that have been working in a certain way. They've got somebody coming in. And it's kind of like, well, you know, I've been here five years. Who the hell are you to tell me what we should be doing, right? And so I think that's the biggest strength of what we're doing with the design company consulting and design company software is saying, well, you know, we're not here to, you know, be the uh, biblical prophets to change your organization. We're here because we know that there's people in your organization 
who have the ideas that are going to help you move forward. And so it's not about coming in and like, you know, having the director say, okay, we have brought this consultant, they're magical, they're going to change everything, you know. It's saying, we're going to provide you with a system to systematically get this innovation from your people out there, have it adopted, and have it move forward. And I think that's the biggest differentiator. I think one of the other things, I think this, this maybe could be a controversial thing to say, but hey, a little bit of controversy hasn't that's what done we do. Any, any, any much harm to anyone. One thing I've had happen many times, and I've seen other people leave companies because of this, is that they've brought up an idea to the kill zone, the management, and the management said to them, oh, we can't do that. It's not a good idea, la, la, la. And then two, three, four months later, the same management would bring that same idea forward as their own and, say, and, and make a pitch and make themselves look good. This is the other thing that the kill zone does. And then, of course, the people who had brought up the idea go, hey, we came up with that, but there isn't kind of proof and log because yeah. the kill zone is killed there originally, hasn't been logged, hasn't been reported up. Nobody knows about it. And the kill zone comes up, pitches it in their own way so that they can keep control over their little silo, etc. And people, of course, very skilled at doing this because they manage managers. They know how to keep the lockdown on the mm. ideas. And so with design company software, everyone can chime up whatever idea they have at any point in time. It's logged. So if somebody else comes up with the same idea, yeah, nobody's ever really had their own unique idea. But the good thing here is that if loads of other people are coming up with the same ideas, then we can all collectively own it and buy into that and go, let's make this happen. So there is no need for killing anything. The ideas that are no good will just die off by themselves, just mm. like what happens in nature. The seeds that don't have the germination potential, they don't turn into trees. And that's perfectly fine. Trees still grow from the other seeds that have the germination potential. So, and so in terms of mindset, I mean, we first started talking a lot about innovation, but I realized through this discussion that ultimately that's what it's all about, right? It's having this continuous internal innovation. It also, by having all these ideas out there, helps you understand that ideas aren't unique, right? And it's all about being able to generate ideas continuously and being able to kill an idea and be happy to kill an idea when you see that it doesn't make sense. So I think here as well, it's also about favoring an outcome whereby we're collectively just trying to find out, you know, like Ray Dalio says, right? Is fall in love with finding out what's true instead of being right. And I think that's the kind of mindset here. Exactly. I mean, ultimately, there's no need for killing anything. It just dies by yeah. nature. And so, and so that, that's like, and a lot of kind of like contemplative practices help us understand how to integrate death as a natural aspect of life. Most people are scared of it. They avoid it like plague. But actually, death is completely natural to all living processes. And death of ideas is also one. So guess what happens with the ideas that sprang up 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago? They're way overdue for dying. <laughs> and that's perfectly great. That should be celebrated. Lots of like, I, I remember going to Mexico pyramids and, you know, they, they were like had the Mayan culture. They had these tournaments where the reward for winning the tournament, you just kind of have to pass a ball through this hoop. It's also like Mayan basketball in, the, in this kind of like acoustic hall. 
and whoever got the ball through the hoop, the reward was they had their head cut off, <laughs> right? And they would celebrate that. Why? Because the, the sovereign, the, 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 the king, the ruler at the time had the pleasure to cut off their head and they were like died for the cause. They died for the purpose. And that's fine. You know, like ideas are not really that precious. If they die, they are dying for a purpose. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. So I, I think having that collective vision and just understanding my idea helps us deliver this vision. That's what it's all about. So, you know, let's, we're talking about ideas. And, 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 and like, let's, just, let's just remind ourselves that the ideas that do persist, they'll also live for a purpose. Um, true also. So talking about ideas that persist, right, ultimately they're going to manifest and become something more pragmatic. So, you know, what, what are in your view the products of this design company software and consulting? What is the outcome? So just so so most of the time you you have this kind of software and so on that promise all sorts of things. So they can't even really deliver on the single product that they promise to deliver. Whereas you know we come up with stuff that like, I can't really put it into slide decks so easily because there's so many things. But products are new ideas, better systems, more coherent teams. They are. Uh, inevitably impact on money and growth and optimization. They're all the things that the management science has been mostly theoreticizing about, but not really putting into practice. Who's been putting it into practice is big consultancies that end up rolling in massive, massive, massive processes and so on that are slow, that are also kill zone themselves. I'll give you an example. BT employs 15,000 Tata consultants as employees inside BT. Mm -hmm. When BT wants to change and say, we actually want to employ all of our own staff, you know what those 15,000 Tata consultants start doing? They start saying, that's a bad idea. Because <laughs> they don't want to like fire themselves from BT. Right? And so... If that's not conflict of interests, I don't know what is, but that's what happens in companies. And those Tata consultants have over years strategically and step-by-step -step embedded themselves and nobody at BT really can understand what they're doing because they're not running something like a design company model to actually ask people all the time. What is it that you're doing these days? <laughs> so I think that's actually a really good comment. And I want to bounce off on that because if you had to boil it down, these big companies, what they sell you is innovation and money, but really you just end up buying into the system that's backed by the label, right? So it's like, oh, you know, they have this new big management framework that's going to save us. And so you're buying the system, but you're not really getting the final product which the system is intended to produce. And so I think that's what differentiates us is having this focus on saying, okay, you know what? Whatever systems we use, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is working with you towards these outcomes. And then having you be independent so you can actually have this continuous internal growth without seeking for a silver bullet. Exactly. The silver bullet is in a holistic approach to mm. a company and continuous kaizen style improvements because revolution happens through evolutionary steps and that's just that we we can't escape out of that i was thinking this morning i woke up and i was thinking 
gosh, like all these post millennials or whatever, Gen Z, X, Y, whatever number is, letter, they, they, they're all just wanting to go from zero to 100 and skip all the steps of one to 99. Mm. That's kind of what, they, what their minds seem to be geared towards. And well, you know, if everyone's able to do that, the planet would have gone kaboom a long time ago. Uh, so there is a reason why universe itself throttles things down naturally. There is that sort of, whether you call it entropy or whatever, but it's, you know, the, the universe works against us being able to just manifest everything instantaneously. But that's really what we want. So the design company is the closest thing to that instantaneous micro manifestation daily, right? And everyone talks about daily habits for well-being, for this, for that. What about daily habits for company improving? Well, this is mm. it. And so actually, that's a really good thing, a word you said, micro manifestation, right? And this ties in nicely with money. So, you know, there's a figure I love in user, user experience, user research, which is the difference in cost between making a change to a product that's live and a product that's still at the design stage is a magnitude of one to 100. So if you look at this in terms of internal initiatives in your company, do you wanna be pushing really big initiatives that don't really have collective engagement, support, feedback, or do you want to involve people at the design stage, first of all, to say, okay, is this even a good idea or not a good idea? And secondly, to actually work with you to flesh out the details. So that's a, you know, a very expensive, cumbersome process that might even result in losing people and something that's organic, fluid, fast, and engages people and makes them happier, more satisfied. Exactly. And it's, you know, for some reason, this brought up uh, money side of things. And you mentioned that you, know, you want to run a company that pays the people the most. Right? Yeah. Uh, I came across a post on LinkedIn where somebody said that uh, Netflix pays their UX designers something like between $250,000 and $300,000 a year in salary. And the reason is very simple. For every $1 invested into UX, they're getting $2 back. <laughs> Simple exactly. I mean, if you look, I mean, I love that you mentioned that. That's really my philosophy because I see so many people kind of operating in the old businessman way of thinking, which is, you know, okay, I'm buying my bananas one pound, selling them one pound 20. So all the money I can make is in all that extra margin that I can get on my 20 cents, right? And so really, I kind of have a different paradigm and frame of mind on that, which is, if you're in the technology world, if you're delivering exponential value, then you should be able to work with people that could also be part of this exponential value and reward them exponentially. You know. Exactly. And, and that can only really happen through a fractal micro um, synergistic approach to use that like you know, managerial favorite thing. Are we like, are we working in team synergy? Well, you know what? You're not working in Team Synergy in most companies, let's face it, because nobody knows what everyone else is thinking. With this, you do know what others, other people are thinking, and those, those ideas can bubble up. Even complaints, right? Complaints are perfectly valuable. You, know, you, you knock out all the bugs from the system. What you have is perfectly working system. So any complaints should also be looked at as opportunities to improve right uh and so 
that's how you get growth. That's how you get that exponential growth that like Singularity University always talks about. But there isn't, again, even from them, that model for how to get that happening. And this has worked with clients that we've worked with. Why? Because of all these things that I'm just saying here. And, and it's like, I don't need to be like defending the model, although we do that all the time. It's just like a fun exercise anyway. But the model by producing result, results defends itself. And if it wasn't producing results, it wouldn't be like this. <laughs> so what I'd love to do, you touched on growth. We're heading you know, towards the end of, of this discussion at least, but you mentioned something and I, I want to kind of do as we do usually, which is tie up everything we've said. You know, you mentioned this management science, you know, promoting different ideas, having all these things they talk about without the outcomes. And you mentioned the idea of synergy. So what I'd like to do is just very holistically demonstrate the power of this model, right? So synergy is one of these things. It's kind of tang intangible. It's pretty soft, right? If we could design company software, let's boil this down to seven questions, which we can have quantifiable results. So, you know, purpose. Um, I believe in the company's purpose. People, you know, do I enjoy working with my colleague. Systems. I understand the systems and I have the ability to improve them. Uh, innovation, I have the opportunity to share my ideas. Products, I'm aware of and I appreciate our products. Money, I'm happy with the way I'm being paid. Growth, um, I feel aligned with our key metrics. These are just like some example questions, but the whole idea of what we're doing with design company and design company software is take these kind of soft managerial science concepts and boil them to cold hard facts and then go beyond that, not just say, hey, We've identified your problem for 200 grand. Now hire our management consultant team for 500 grand to change your behavior. It's, no, it's empower your team to self-evaluate what's going well and what's not going well and give them a clear way to then work on that independently. Exactly. And I mean, when, when I learned that BT employs 15,000 Tata consultants, right, which, which is effectively almost... Uh, 15% of the overall workforce, mm -hmm. I was gobsmacked. And how any company is going to move forward without having every employee inside it pulling towards the same purpose mm -hmm. through continuous answering and being prodded. Because a lot of the time, man, people don't know what they should be even thinking about. And this model is kind of gently r reminding them all the time, like a good habit building framework would do, to think about all the areas of the company that really matter and to participate and contribute towards that. Because sometimes, and this is famous at Disney, you know, Disney empowered everyone in the company to come up with ideas for Disney movies. So there was loads of like janitors and cleaners and so on who actually pitched up stories for, for, um, for Mickey Mouse. I think Mickey Mouse, the one where he's like uh, sweeping with a broom, I think that whole uh, mega, mega story uh, came from a cleaner at Disney, okay. right? Uh, and, and basically what Disney, Walt Disney was doing at Disney Company was running a designed company model through word of mouth, right? But now that's available programmatically as software and it just works. Huh? 
So I think a good way to kind of uh, synthesize that is maybe, you know, in innovation manager is kind of antithetical <laughs> to the whole concept. What you want is for everybody to be contributing to this process of innovation, right? Ideas can come from anywhere. I think if you're going to run design companies, understand that people have that role to play. Well, any innovative idea is only really going to work if it, if it does get adoption from majority of people in the company first and then customers. Um, and we know from our own adoption metrics is that it's, it's sky high, certainly comparative to anything else on the market, in the marketplace. So if you're getting people to participate in the idea creation, they are a lot more likely to buy in to whatever ends up being made. And then they're much better at selling that. And they're much better at making money for the company, growing it, engaging customers and knowing really what's going on and why it's going on. I have nothing else to, to <laughs> add. So if you're, if you're watching this, uh, this is much more interesting than it's like speaking, listening to a two hour KPMG podcast. So hit us up and uh, get started with us. If you have the right mindset, there's a lot of the things ahead. Yes, the software is ready. So whoever's looking to really make a mark uh, on their company and really improve and grow, make money, get people engaged, reach out to us. We're always available for a ch friendly chat and a very simple step-by-step -step process to get you onboarded. So thank you very Enjoyed much. Enjoyed talking with you. Till the next one. Thank you very much, my brother. All the best. Take Bye. care.